are kindly sponsored by Sliderstock. They are a bespoke auction and e-commerce platform. So if you guys need them, hit them up at www.sliderstock.com. and welcome to our next episode of Squadcast. Today we have Kim from Pooches Galore. You may recognise her from, I think it was episode one actually. It was. Yeah, Um, but today I wanted to focus around separation anxiety. Um, March is separate, uh, March is anxiety month for dogs Um, and it's just all about raising awareness and kind of bringing things to the forefront of of pet anxiety really is that right Kim? Absolutely yeah so um I think it's Dorwest Herbs that do it it's pet anxiety month so it's all about how we can help dogs be less anxious in the world because anxiety leads to a whole wealth of different behavioral problems um I think the one like you've mentioned that's most prominent at the moment is separation anxiety because we've all been home so much with our dogs or we've got dogs during lockdown and they've they've not really been left at all um, over the last year. So it is definitely something I'm seeing a lot of at the minute. And and do you know what I've I've noticed as well, going to see new clients and and just on Instagram and stuff, is that um, people who have got new puppies, more importantly, through this lockdown period and then are planning on going back to work, They've put everything in place, you know, dog walkers and visits and things like that. But then they've never been left. So it's it's really tricky. And even for older dogs like mine, you know, they've not been left very much either. And it's a change for them as well as puppies. Absolutely. So I think for the for the really older dogs, like my older Millie, who's nearly 10, I don't think she will be that impacted by the fact that she hasn't been left that much. Although it is something that I would check on. So the way I check is I just set up my phone or an iPad or something as I go out and just see what my dogs are up to when when I'm not there. Um, she's, She's always been really settled being left. I don't think we would really need to worry about her, but definitely always worth checking that um but with my younger dog he's only 18 months old so for a year of his life he has pretty much had access to somebody 24 7 so he's one that we are putting um things in place for him preemptively kind of assuming that he's not going to cope quite so well as Millie you know I, I think that's so clever though the fact that we should be preempting it and almost doing it even even if you think they'll they'll be fine yeah yeah um, I think that's part of the, it I always say and you always say to me it's much easier it's like with your puppy classes you try and cover everything because it's much easier to avoid a situation or an issue than to resolve an issue isn't it yeah Absolutely. And I think if you kind of presume that they're not going to cope when you leave them and you can set them up and we can work on increasing the duration that they're left for over the next few weeks as we look to come out of this lockdown and we look to 
going back to some form of normality, even if that is different to what it was for everyone a year or two ago, setting it up now rather than waiting until we're back at work in the office. We've got the dog walker coming in midday to let them out and the dog's not coping. That's a much harder position to start from than it is now where we're working from home. We can add in trips to the shops. We can, when the cafe starts open, we can start to extend that period of time. Much easier to manage, much easier to train through than being back in the office five days a week and your dog's not coping for those five days. 100%, yeah. Um, so just explain what separate separation anxiety is and, and how does it all start? What goes on in their heads? So separation anxiety is basically the dog panicking when they are left alone because they have no frame of reference as to where you've gone. So we call it object permanence. So basically, if my husband says to me, I'm going to the co-op, I understand in my head where he's gone, where that building is, kind of even what it looks like, what you do there, and that he will return from that, hopefully, with the shopping or (laughs) a bottle of wine, maybe even nicer. Even better. Uh, Yeah, I understand that when he leaves the house, I understand where he's gone to, I understand what that looks like. To our dogs, we think that when we leave the house, they don't understand where we've gone, and so ultimately we've kind of ceased to exist they have even if you say I'm going to the co-op they have absolutely no frame of reference as to what that is some dogs learn that when you leave and you and you do things in a certain order so you put your shoes and your coat you pick your handbag up um grab your car keys and set off in the car that you will return that's like a learnt thing that they have come across at the time yeah again in their life Some dogs freak out because you've literally stopped existing and you are everything to them. They are like, they're not going to get fed again. Like they're just never going to see you again and they can't cope. And so then they display behaviours that hopefully reunite you. And magically they seem to work quite often because you always come back. That breaks my heart. Yeah. Babies have it as well. So if anyone's a mum and they've had a a baby, they go through that period where you literally can't leave them. You literally can't go to the loo because they will go. They well, they just cry, don't they? And they because they think you're never going to come back. Because they they, that you've stopped, literally stopped existing in their world. They you've gone, and they do not. They because they cannot understand where you've gone. That you've gone. That's it. You've gone. And. Again, with babies, they learn that you're going to come back and you, you break your back carrying them around a lot. But that's ex- essentially what happens. So that's really interesting that you say it's almost triggers, isn't it? Like your shoes and your keys, because, yeah. um, you know, mine pick up on things. They know when they're le- when I'm leaving for them to go for a walk with yeah. me. But they also know the difference between me leaving on my own and. Um, yeah. So like Apple will try and come with me when I'm leaving on my own, but she doesn't want to come when we're going for a walk so it's really they are clever they do pick up on these kind of triggers absolutely so we call those pre-departure cues so the pre-departure cues are everything that you do that tells the dog that you're leaving them and it can start with your alarm clock going off in the morning so it might be Monday to Friday you have an alarm set and they know that when the alarm goes off that triggers a sequence of events showering having your breakfast getting dressed all of those things and going and then you leave them. So for some dogs, they can get start getting stressed as soon as they pick up on those cues that your alarm's going off. And so therefore, they're going to get left. On a weekend, you don't have an alarm set. So they understand that you're going to be around a bit more. I know. Other things. Um, so what are the typical behaviours that you see 
with separation anxiety? So it can literally be anything. So one of the definitions of a behaviour that is that demonstrates separation anxiety is that it's a behavior that doesn't occur when the caregiver is there so generally like oh gosh it could be anything it could be anything so just to put that caveat in but the main ones are classic barking howling those kind of um, noises that bring reunite animals together we also have things like escape um behaviors so often you will see damage around the woodwork of doors or windows so generally where the caregiver has left that's where they they you will see the damage um i've seen some pretty horrific cases of damage really yeah i've worked i worked in a massive house once um and the dog was in the boot room so it gives you a kind of scale as to what kind of room so it had an entire room to itself it had ripped through two crates which is always a worrying sign it ripped up the entire floor and had destroyed there was a door into the house and there was a door outside and it had destroyed both of those to the point they had to be replaced so oh my god trying to escape behavior is hugely powerful um for, for a number of dogs um you might often see toileting so accidents so you'll see this obviously in a house trained dog and this is why we say it's anything that only occurs when they're on their own because if you've got a dog who's not house trained they might toilet whether you're there or not yeah but if they're only toileting when you're not there then that's a sign of of any anxiety stress and anxiety causes all animals to want to go to the toilet quite desperately um you might also see salivation. So a lot of dogs will have a very wet bib when you get home, um, more so than just having a drink. Um, you might see kind of pacing, backwards and forwards pacing um, without without stopping. Definitely and not relaxing. Yeah, de- not relaxing, looking out of windows, pacing from the door to the sofa to look out the window to go back to the door. Back. You can also see um, no movement at all. So I would also slightly worry and this is like you've got to take this in context. Um, if a dog did not move at all, not at all. So even in my older dog, I would expect for her at some point she's gonna change shuffle around. Thing. Yeah. You might have dogs who don't move for an hour or two because they're tired and they sleep. So again, I would look at that more in context with other things. Um, and then we would see things like anorexia. So you would leave your dog a treat or a Kong or something like that. They don't want to eat it. And they don't touch it. And then um, you come back and then they eat it almost frenetically um, mm. at the end of it. So uh, sometimes that's a good little test if you're not sure, is just to leave your dog with something delicious that you know that they would really want to eat and they don't touch it. Oh, God, mine would wolf it down. Yeah, exactly. Millie would. Um, Stanley, I think if he was stressed, he wouldn't. He wouldn't touch oh, it. Oh, really? He would, he would be like, mm, I'll, I'll not eat that. Um but yeah, you can see you can see it in in um, a lot of dogs. My first ever dog, she wouldn't eat a treat um, when we left her, and she would eat it when we got back. And I would never have said she had separation anxiety, but obviously now with a different hat on and a lot yeah. more knowledge, maybe she wasn't as relaxed as we thought she was at the time. Maybe she just liked to wait and eat when we got back. I don't know. I think um, you you or a human being there is a kind of comfort blanket with food isn't it yeah especially for the less greedy dogs it's like mm, I'm not sure that that's safe or yeah that's there when my humans are out so I'm, I I think I'll just yeah leave. it can also become one of like the pre-departure cues as well so if you mm. always leave your dog with um 
a stuffed Kong when you leave, as soon as that stuffed Kong comes out, they're going to start being like, oh, oh, well, we know what's going to happen now. And so then yeah. it's poisoned and it becomes a problem. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a funny one of eating. But if you're stressed, you don't eat. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a tricky one then really isn't it because there are so many behaviors that could be something else I was going to ask kind of how do you know if it's separation anxiety as opposed to something else but it must be super tricky to it is because yeah because you can also have dogs who get bored so you could have dogs who destroy things because they're bored um but would they would they do that if you were in the house would is it directed to anything in particular um, are there any other signs and symptoms alongside what's the body language like so there are and that's why recording 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 your dog when you're not there is number one it's so important because um if I had if I had a dog that I thought was bored and was destroying things I would set them up with things to be destroyed now do they touch those or are they going back to destroying the door to the door you, yeah you know you, there are ways that you can kind of test um where they are on the spectrum yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, now, what kind of, I struggle with this sometimes um, with, not necessarily with mine, but mainly with with other dogs that, that I speak with and, and whatnot. But what kind of environment would you suggest for um, a dog with separation anxiety? Does it depend on the dog or, yeah? Yeah, it does depend on the dog because um, some dogs like a bit more space. So you could give them a room uh, mm. and set it up. Some dogs actually prefer a darkened crate. Um, but I would also look at what's the dog used to being. Are they crate trained? Mm. And do they love their crate? And so therefore, when we start doing the training to help them get better, we would look at that as part of the environment. I think also there's a huge safety issue as well, because for some dogs, we might need to crate train them first and then include it. Because if they're trying to destroy things yeah yeah but I've seen some dogs really destroy crates in an attempt to escape so it is very important that the environment is when you start to do the training that the environment is set up so that it's not only um an environment you want them to be in but an environment that is safe for them to be in as well yeah because you know say some I, I, I came across this the other day somebody left their dog in a pen but say that dog tried to get out of that pen and got stuck halfway over the top or that's actually more unsafe than it not being in a pen yeah exactly exactly so you've got to look at or I have to look at it's my it's my job um to look at what is the safest environment for that dog at home um trying different ways because if they don't like being in a crate that's going to raise their stress level straight away. And then you're trying to get them used to being left and that's going to be just a disaster. Too much, yeah. Whereas if you can, can you cordon off some of the rooms so they can't get to the electrics or anything like that, not leaving their collars on, things like that that you can add in as safety measures are really important. Um, but we have to look at the entire environment, you know. I live in a massive, well, not massive, don't live in a massive house, but my downstairs is all open plans, so it's a massive space for the dog. Space, yeah not necessarily the best if you've got a dog with separation anxiety I would want to corner some of that off yeah definitely um and what steps can we take to begin to overcome this separation anxiety issues so 
I know I've, I know I've said it about 10 times now, but number one is to record your dog when you go out. Not for a really long period of time. We don't want, if they are stressed, we don't want them stressing for a very long period of time. But we do need to see what they do when we're not there. And I would say to most of my clients, I would say, you know, when you want to pop to the shop, do it then. Don't add more stress in. Just do it as part of your day. Yeah. And then we need to, if it is separation anxiety, what we need to look at is it's quite a multifaceted training plan. But we start with breaking down those pre-departure cues that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Teaching the dog that they have no relevance in life. So we might get people putting their coats on to watch TV or... Um, yeah just it's kind of almost like desensitization yeah. isn't it so that they don't automatically relate that thing or your shoes and your keys to you leaving so it's just exactly. doing it at random times yeah or um like I'm working in my home office so I'm upstairs I might get completely ready to leave the house and then come upstairs and work up here rather not to work in my coat all day but just so my dog's like oh that's a bit odd but it's fine she's just in the house she hasn't gone anywhere yeah Yeah. and then once so that's one part of it and then the next is building up departure so literally building up the amount of time that they're alone and for some dogs it can just be not touching their owner all the time so for some dogs with quite severe separation anxiety um we call them velcro dogs they have to literally be they're they're your shadow they're there all of the time and we have to break that not in a cruel way, but just in a way of, right, I'm going to sit on the sofa to watch TV and you're going to sit in your bed with a chew over there on the other side. And it's of fine. And, and it's, it's going to be fine. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. And I'm right here. And for, you know, some dogs, we might be building that up from a minute or two. Um, for other dogs, they'll pick that up fairly quickly. Um, we can also introduce a no attention marker as well. So we actively do something or show the dog something that tells them at this time I'm not going to give you any attention gosh I think I need that for my lot I think I think sometimes I think I need that for my dog but I think the difference is is I I teach my dogs when there's attention given and when there isn't so when I'm cooking there's no attention given yeah they need to be on their beds or on the sofa just anywhere that's not the kitchen yeah and um I have rules in my house like the lounges for lounging so we have like an area like the lounge because we're open plan so it's a bit different but it's basically yeah and we only sit in there at like I don't know nine o'clock at night when we're watching on the tv and so I don't want my dogs being like yay let's play in here let's do stuff so I don't do any training or play or anything in that space because the same as those yeah yeah when I sit there that's chill time and my dogs know that so they can come and then they can sit with me on the sofa and that's fine or you can go over there and play with your toys if you if you want but you don't play with your toys in this area exactly or you can go into the other into the kitchen area and you can get one of your chews out of your toy basket and you can bring it and you can lay next to me and chew it but I'm not holding it or I'm not getting you taught I remember um when we got Ivy because she's absolutely toy mad you taught us this and it actually has been such a lifesaver because she was bringing us toys whilst we were in fact she does it at my mum and dad's because she knows she can get away with it but she never does it at home anymore um and she just knows that if we're on the sofa, you can come up and lay down or you can go over there and play because yeah. it's not playtime here. Yeah. And I think for some dogs, you do have to be very strict um, initially because it is sometimes easy. The advert break on a TV program. Yeah, and you're like, oh, go on. Then. Go on then. Um, but I'm, I am quite strict because 
I don't sit down till nine, ten o'clock at night. So I don't want to then be harassed with my dogs when they've had me all day to do stuff. You know, my lifestyle is such that my dogs get quite a lot of my time and that's brilliant. But there are times when I just want to sit with yeah, a and, not, <laughs> and not do it. So yeah. um, I think having little rules like that in place can start to help break that constant need to have you and need to be with you all the time and it then it gives us that kind of chink of light that we can start to expand upon as well um I've also seen a couple of things um like having someone else walk your dog and take them out um that that's beneficial would that only work kind of once they were used to not being with you if it was severe separation anxiety I think that's quite dependent upon the dog. Um, for some for some households, I would recommend it quite early on. So um, often if I've got a single person who's taken on a puppy or a rescue dog who's maybe a bit more anxious than um, a very calm, placid dog, yeah. um, I might say having additional people in your dog's life might help because there is that tendency for them to become very dependent upon yeah. one person and the the more we can say actually it's fine if you go off with this person it's fine if you go off with that person that's going to help them have a, a lose that dependency on one person build their confidence as well I yeah. suppose yeah but there um, is the risk that they could freak out a little bit because they're not with that person trying to get mm. back off the walk so definitely on a lead and look at you know the owner being at home and then as a dog walker you come in and you're just taking the dog around the block for five minutes and building it up to make yes. sure that you've not got them in a group on their first walk and they're freaking out because they're not with their owner because that's going to be detrimental but I do think adding in separation from the primary caregiver is really important. Real. Um and you know you said build up the time that the dog is left on their own how how should this be done because we get asked this a lot and I struggle with an answer because none of my dogs have really ever had separation anxiety so it's super gradual um to the point where um I'm trying to say to people because a lot of people at the moment are like well I'm not going back to work for four months so they're not really going to be left and I'm like yes so why we need to do it now? Because, yeah, you need to leave them. Yeah, because the first phase of, so I have quite, um, although it is adapted for each dog, it's quite a set process. Rigid, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the first phase of that is literally you don't even leave them in a room on their own. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're working on them being settled. And then it, each individual dog, and this is why having a professional to oversee it is really useful because we can pace that training appropriate for your dog so some dogs phase one is done in a couple of days for other dogs it takes weeks and that's fine that's not a problem um it's just slow for your dog or it's fast for your dog and some dogs who struggle at the beginning just settling in their bed while you're doing other things go through the other phases really quickly where we start to like pop out the door and come back in um, we also need to look at adding those pre-departure cues in at the right time um, so that we're not, I would say to my clients, like you don't want to do all of this training in your pyjamas because it might be really convenient to do it at seven o'clock on an evening when you've just finished work and you've got you've got changed out of your work stuff into your comfies and then you do the training. But if your dog's always going to be left at 8am in the morning and you're in a business suit, that's too different. So we need They to- are just so clever, aren't they? Yeah. They will pick up on all these small yeah. t- clues and 
Yeah. And because they're feeling stressed, they're going to be almost more vigilant about what is going on in the environment than a dog who is like, well, you're going again. All right. See you later. Fine. Whatever. Yeah, they wouldn't even pay attention. Yeah, they're not going to notice. But when you've got a dog who is stressed, they're going to pick up on anything that gives them that kind of control over the environment. So we've got to look at adding those in. Also, who leaves the house? Do you leave the house always on your own? Do you always leave in a certain order? Um, I worked with a family last summer who had a dog who had quite was a young, very young dog, had quite severe separation anxiety, couldn't be left at all. And the order that that family left the house was the 12 year old daughter was the last to leave. So we had to make sure that that was the case when we did the training, because it was all well and good if the mum always left and did all the training. But then in September, the mum was a teacher. She went back to work and then everyone left and then the daughter left last. Could the dog cope with that change or yeah. not? So we look at all of these different elements and that's why it's such a detailed process because we look at all of the elements of who leaves, what do you wear, what time is it, does it happen every day, are there any signals like the alarm going off that help us to identify when the dog's going to be picking up more and then we add those all in. So I've, I've had loads of people put their work uniforms on on a Sunday morning to do the Just training. Just to get some training in. Yeah, because it's hard when you have to go to work. You often don't have the time before you set off to, to, um, to, to do the training. So we have to add it in. But if you wear a uniform or um, have a very specific look when you go to work, you know, if you wear a suit or that, you know, something you wouldn't necessarily wear on a Sunday. On a day to day, yeah. Yeah, you, you've got you've to wear it. <laughs> love it um so in terms of kind of avoiding these it, it stems from well as soon as you get your dog whether it be a puppy or a rescue I guess doesn't it it comes even from before that we, there isn't actually a known cause for separation anxiety there are things that are make it more likely but there there is thought to be some form of genetic component to it so it's most likely going to be that classic combination of a genetic predisposition brought on by the environment that um, leads to it occurring. There are things that can exacerbate it, trauma, long periods at home with your dog. Um, lockdown. Without, yeah, <laughs> lockdown. Funnily enough, none of my textbooks mentioned in the case of a you know, <laughs> global pandemic lockdown. Um, but yes, I think they probably will now. Um it could there, a trauma um separation anxiety goes quite hand in hand with noise sensitivity as well so leaving your dog home alone and fireworks going off could trigger separation anxiety so there are lots of different causes for it so unfortunately it's not as easy as saying don't buy this dog in this environment because they'll likely have separation anxiety it's 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 combination of, that your yeah. dog might have um if if the mum was really stressed as a pre when she was pregnant, um, the puppies are more likely to be anxious dogs. Okay. So um, that's why we don't particularly like breeders who have their dogs in an outhouse because that leads to more stress on the mum because it's colder, or there's more noises. Um, so they're more likely to have dogs with a lower uh, threshold right. of stress. And then if you've got any environmental triggers, like they got left on their own too early when they were brought to their new home, that can lead to separation anxiety. So there are loads of different... Contributing factors, yeah. 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 And that's why when we talk to puppy, or when I talk to puppy owners, it's all about make the dog, make your new puppy feel really safe and secure in their new home. And then 
gradually building these departures. So the way that we treat a new puppy and the way that we treat separation anxiety are often very similar. Similar, yeah. We don't want people getting a puppy on a Sunday morning and then going out to work on a Monday with a, a dog walker popping in twice a day. Like that's that's not fair on the puppy. But equally, we don't want really long periods of time where the puppy's not left at all because they're not going to learn to be not left. Not reality, yeah. Yeah. Um, Finding a good balance, I guess, then, isn't it? Absolutely. But there's things we can do, like little absences, like when you've got a puppy or you've brought a new rescue dog home and you nip into the loo, give, like, sprinkle some treats, some even just some kibble if they like it, outside of the bathroom while you go in, shut the door, do what you need to do, and then they've got something positive, but you've started to build those absences up. Without And and that's so clever because without even realising, they will associate you disappearing. Yeah with these lovely delicious treats on yeah getting them to eat their tea on their own or their breakfast you know set it up in a fun interactive way and then pop them in the kitchen or the utility or the lounge or the hallway wherever just shut the door just for the period of time where they're eating and then open it again so they just get used to being on their own nice and gradually but with lots of positive elements around without them even probably realizing Yeah. And the other thing is, and this is slightly off topic, but it does have an impact, is if you want to crate train your puppy, you have to crate train them. You can't just put them in a crate and shut the door and leave them to cry it out until they stop. Yeah. Like that's going to cause anxiety when they're left alone. So spend some time, like build up a really positive association with the crate. So they love their crate, that they want to be in it, that it's somewhere that is safe and yeah Yeah, exactly and then work on leaving them in it it's not a it's not a containment for them for when you can't look after them it's supposed to be a safe place that's theirs that's the whole point of the crate you know when when you've nailed it oh it's so worth it I can't I stress to people all the time like I know it's not for everyone and you always say you know do what you is right for you but for us crate training has been like amazing and it it does take time missy actually was crate trained when she was probably about three yeah Yeah. and that was that was harder than doing it when she was a puppy but now she can take it or leave it she's fine i think as well for you in like a big multi-dog household for when Duke had his IVDD and needed that crate rest, yeah, he knew, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I go in my crate, I'm cool. fine. And the other dogs are used to dogs being in crates, so they're not trying to get in because sometimes we see that as well. Like, why can't I, why can't I get to them? Um, so by crate training them, it, it adds a lot of different levels of what you can use it for if you're going away or yeah. anything. Um, uh, that's, that is another thing. We, because we go, take them away quite often, we all we have to do is take their crate with them and then wherever that crate is they feel fine they, exactly. they're happy and um you know if they go to my mum's house everyone has a crate who who looks after my dogs so they know that and then we just take a blanket and it's it's just like they're at home yeah so exactly. it's really useful and like for ill you know illness yeah. injury exactly just but it does have to be done properly. You can't just put them Expect in a crate them to be and fine. hope that it's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but I do things like hiding stuff, not hard. Well, it is kind of hidden, but I'll put stuff in their crate when they're not interested in it. So when they do go in, they're like, oh, that's oh. Like, oh, 
look at this magic crate that just has this is a nice place yeah treats appearing all the time it doesn't have to be kind of formal sat there with a clicker and a pot of treats and all of that it can just be oh, I'm going to pop their Kong in there so when they pop in or when they walk past they can smell it and they're going to go in and that Kong's there and I might tie it in the crate so they can't go in grab it and then carry it out run out yeah yeah so but that could also be a when you leave them in a room, you can't just put them in the kitchen, shut the door and hope for the best. Oh, poor things. I wonder what's happened. Um, Especially for their babies, yeah. Yeah, definitely. In terms of breeds, I know that Daxies are um, quite large sufferers of yes. separation anxiety. On the whole, like I said, I've never had a problem, but um, I know that on the whole, it can be a quite a big issue. But what other breeds kind of have you noticed that suffer with it? So we would generally say the gun dogs, the gun dog breeds, maybe not so much your labs and your golden retrievers, but the spaniels, the visitor, mm. the pointers um, would be high on my list. And the ones I would I, never have thought that. No, I know. it's uh, Yeah. Um, the ones I see the most at the moment, more than dachshunds, is cockapoos. Yeah. 100%. My caseload of... So separation anxiety is like one of my things that I like to work on you so love I, it don't yeah you? I love it it's because it's hard I like anything that's a bit more of a challenge um I would say my caseload of is is oh, I don't know 70% cockapoos wow it's huge yeah I don't I think it comes from the fact that gun dogs are slightly more prone to it and poodles are very highly strung um and they're dogs that need quite a lot um not even so, not exercise just they need yeah kind of like they need a lot of reassurance as well I think yeah as a breed they are they're a great family dog in as much as they're really friendly and they want to be with you all the time but that the, the flip side of that is a lot of the time they don't cope um so yeah it, it is something and whenever I work with puppy owners or people who are definitely people who are getting a cockapoo because that's my uh, you know what I'm like I'd love to see people before they get their puppy yeah and um, if they're getting a cockapoo then I will always go through a really strict protocol on how we're going to build up that duration of being left because it's not again it goes back to that prevention I don't want them to to discover the dog's got separation anxiety and then we treat it I want to kind of assume that they're going to suffer and get in there and build it up so they never suffer from it yeah that is ultimately what you would rather though isn't it yeah um we got um for our listeners we got Kim in when we just before we got Ivy and she did the best like introduction kind of what not protocol but like how how best to introduce yeah. Ivy into the group because I was really worried about it because she was the only one that wasn't related um so I actually whether you it's a multi-dog household or a um a new puppy completely I would seriously recommend getting Kim in even just you know some advice of how to go yeah. about and for finding puppies as well you're you're helpful yeah. for that as well making sure I, yeah especially at the moment because there are a lot of people capitalizing on this kind of puppy boom that we're seeing at the moment um the the cost of puppies has gone up astronomically over the last year um and so a lot of people are cashing in on that because if you're if you're that kind of person why wouldn't you do you know what I mean yeah um, if you're if you're just in it for the money um so making sure that you're getting the right the right dog from the right breeder to make sure that they are 
going to be happy and confident and settled within themselves is really important. And as well, getting the right breed for you, um, you know, if you don't like walking very far, then kind of an active dog just isn't for you. Um, but neither and- is but neither is a dachshund because, you know, I think a lot of people think, oh, small, does it need walking a lot? Not true. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> Not true. And they need a lot of stimulation as well. Yeah. Um, which I don't think people realise that they're just so highly intelligent. Um, and I think this is part of the reason why they suffer with probably with separation anxiety is that they do pick up on things and they're not stupid yeah so if you've been with them for a year and not left them and then you go to work they're like whoa whoa yeah and they've not learned they've not learned they've not been able to learn any coping mechanisms or coping strategies of oh thank god they've gone to work I can sleep now you know like like Millie my older and your older dogs who are or all yeah. your dogs who are like oh thank god they've gone and I can have some peace and peace quiet. and quiet yeah and um, they they are kind of like I don't know how to I don't know how to cope when you go I don't know what I don't know when you're going to come back and so I'm just going to sit and, and look and stare out the window until you return because you might not and then I don't know what to do yeah but there is so I think the thing with separation anxiety is I think people think they have to live with it and it's it is treatable it's not easy and I would definitely say that you need professional guidance because there is so much that we look at I look at things like exercise because what we don't want is a dog playing fetch and then being left that's not a good combination because fetch raises cortisol and adrenaline in the dog system and the way I think of it is it's like this because I don't exercise. So it's not I don't know this firsthand, but I can <laughs> imagine it's like doing a big, heavy hit workout or going for a really long run at like 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, coming home and then going straight to bed. Like, yes, it's not what you would want, you is know, it? No, what we really want is like yoga, Pilates, calming exercise, using their brain, using their nose before we leave them. So it's not just about okay, we leave them for a minute, then two minutes, then three minutes. It's about what do they eat? When do they eat? What's the exercise? What do they do when they exercise? The whole routine. It's, there's so many different elements to it that it's having a professional on board to guide you. is. It's one of the ones where we would, it's just so much easier. Yeah, 100%. And, and like you've just said, you'll look at the picture as a whole rather than, oh, your dog's got separation anxiety do xyz and it'll be fine it's just not as easy and it's a long process as well one of our friends has got a cockapoo and it's got dreadful separation anxiety you've actually helped them I think it was a couple of years ago now um but it it's a long process and it's not going to be fixed overnight it's like loads of behavioral issues isn't it it's it's not a quick fix no and you don't want quick fixes because what quick fixes do is they just suppress the behavior so the dog's possibly even feeling more anxious but it's not doesn't feel able to express those behaviors and so they they the emotion's still there but they just don't show you it oh that's with, with separation anxiety is one thing but when you're dealing with aggression I kind of want the dog to growl maybe sometimes so that I know that they're not happy so that I'm not going to get bitten without them warning you without warning me yeah Yeah. exactly so if you suppress things like that's why we always say respect the growl if you suppress it and don't let the dog show you that they're uncomfortable 
they're probably still going to bite you. <laughs> they're just not going to know about it's it. Not going to do let you know beforehand. Yeah. So that's why there are quick fixes in the dog world. We like I have quick fixes. There are things that we can implement that do help quite quickly. But some things do do take a long time. You're changing emotion, the mentality. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, we would all love to wave a magic wand over our dogs. Oh gosh, yeah, we would. Um, so yeah, I think top tips is effectively building that up, leaving them before we go back to work, before yeah. we start leaving them for longer periods of time. Make sure they're happy. Record. I know that Record, you like yeah. that one. Big one. It's always make sure you. Even if you think your dog, if you've listened to all of this and gone, oh, my dog doesn't have separation anxiety. I Just hope they record. don't. I really hope you know that would be great. But um, equally. Just check, especially if you've been home a lot recently. Yeah. And, do you know, Kim does, um, obviously she's based in Harrogate, but you have helped so many dogs kind of nationwide yeah. recently, haven't you? With Internationally and- now. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but honestly, if you are struggling to find a, a behaviourist near you, um, I would just drop Kim a message. Definitely. If you can't help, I'm sure you can put them yeah. in the right direction. 100%. Um, so, yeah. So if you are struggling or if you're not even if you've if you're just concerned that they might be might struggle without you being there, um, just get in touch with Kim and, and she will always want to help always yeah no definitely I'd much rather people reached out to me and would um, and just asked and if if it's something I can help with then we can absolutely look at that and if not then there's networks I'm part of when I can signpost people out to a reputable accredited trainer exactly make sure that they're getting the best help because that's the most important thing yeah and as well there's a lot of skeptical dog trainers out there isn't yeah. Yeah, so, there's a lot of dog trainers using techniques that I, I wouldn't want using on my dog. I think that's fair. Yeah, so yeah. just be aware of that as well. And like, yeah, on that, just as a final parting, but I would, if a dog trainer offers you a solution and you don't feel comfortable with it, just say thank you very much and then like don't Walk do away. it. You know, be your dog's advocate. That they they can't speak for themselves. So if you're offered a piece of equipment and you think, oh, well, that's not nice, I wouldn't use it on my child is my general rule of thumb with it. Um, just say thank you very much bye (laughs) (laughs) um but not even yeah just just be aware because it's not a regulated industry is it so no and again I think there will be a lot of people capitalizing on the fact that there are a lot more puppies around at the minute and there are a lot more potential issues yeah and so they might be dealing with problems that are kind of above their pay grade and 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 not helping dogs and charging a significant amount of money for it yeah so just be aware and any questions I would say get in touch with me but don't because (laughs) I know nothing Um, yeah instagram is probably the easiest so it's galore on instagram and just send me message on there it's probably the easiest way Perfect. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Kim. Oh, thanks for having me back. <laughs> Happy Pet Anxiety Awareness. Happy Pet Anxiety Month. <laughs>